Would you like to retire with enough? My name is Peter Guidry, and I am the host of the Retiring with Enough podcast. Hopefully today's podcast will clear away some of the fog in the ongoing debate between traditional and Roth IRAs. This podcast originated as the result of an article I read recently where the author really downgraded the use of Roth IRAs versus traditional IRAs. In the article, he stated that transferring funds from his traditional IRA and doing conversions into a Roth IRA had cost him thousands of dollars in additional taxes that he paid and that he felt were unnecessary. I'm not going to lend credibility to the author by stating the title nor his name because I feel like a lot of the information that provided was disingenuous and really not helpful. But instead, I'm going to attempt to provide alternative views and alternative information to allow listeners to make their own decisions. Many of the statements that I'll use are quoted directly from the article and will be designated as from the author of the article. I'll take the statements made in the, in the article and attempt to provide contrasting information based on factual research. But let's start by defining the terms traditional IRA and Roth IRA and continue with an explanation of their basic differences. Traditional IRA accounts, commonly known as individual retirement accounts, but are technically termed individual retirement arrangements, were first established in 1974 to provide a vehicle for workers to save money in a tax-sheltered account with before-tax dollars. Money invested in a traditional IRA grows tax-deferred, and no taxes are paid on either the principal or earnings in a traditional IRA account until the funds are distributed. Roth IRA accounts were created by the Taxpayer Relief Act of 1997. Roth IRAs are funded with after-tax dollars. This means that the money used to fund Roth IRA accounts has already been taxed. Neither principal nor earnings in a Roth IRA account is taxed at distribution with proper compliance with the Roth IRA distribution rules. This effectively means that once money is placed in a Roth IRA account, it's never subject to taxation again. The attraction of never paying taxes again on principal or earnings in a Roth IRA is the biggest draw to the Roth IRA accounts. It's also the biggest point of contention of the author in the article referenced. In his article, the author states that only 9% of investors actually benefit from funding Roth IRA accounts and that this number is actually inflated. He went on to state that Roth IRAs are only beneficial to 0.2% of workers. The article's author stated, if you're early in your earning years, contribute heavily into retirement and plan to withdraw far more in retirement each year than you earn today, then you should likely contribute to a Roth IRA. This group of young workers represented the author's 0.2% of workers who would actually benefit from funding a Roth IRA. My first point of contention comes from a further statement by the author in which he says, this is precisely what the Roth IRA does. It forces you to pay taxes today 
and at a likely higher rate than you would in retirement. The author's argument is that the government is happy to have workers pay more and higher taxes now than paying fewer taxes at a lower rate in retirement when earned income declines. But 2023 tax bracket information doesn't really confirm this statement. I'm not going to outline the whole 2023 tax bracket for a single filer because that's pretty easy to pull up on the internet. But let's just suffice to say that a 20-year-old single taxpayer with a salary between $44,725 and $95,375 could make a Roth contribution in the amount of $6,500 and pay a maximum tax rate of 22%, a tax increase of $1,430. I don't know about you, but I don't know too many 20-year-olds who make more than 95000 a year, and a 22% marginal tax rate is really not egregious. But let's assume now that this same 20-year-old instead makes an annual traditional IRA contribution of $6,500 while he's in the same 22% tax bracket. Instead of paying an additional $1,430, he saves in tax payments because his contributions are tax-deferred. This same $6,500 annual investment in the traditional IRA will receive an 8% average return, which is actually pretty conservative because the average return of the S&P 500 has been approximately 10.53% over the last 50 years. Annual contributions of $6,500 over the next 55 years would result in a terminal value of almost $6 million. The taxpayer's MRD, minimum required distribution, for the first year at age 75 would be approximately $244,000. So using the current tax brackets in order to compare apples to apples would result in a 35% terminal tax bracket. This tax bracket only includes the 244000 from the MRD of the traditional IRA. Any additional earned income, investment income, pension income, rental income, or currently up to 85% of the Social Security income would also be taxed at ordinary rates and would be subject to the same 35% tax hit. Using these assumptions, the same single worker would actually be subjected to higher taxes, not lower taxes. This example doesn't factor in any earned income or other investment income, which would only make things worse. And it also assumes that tax rates will remain at their current levels and not revert to previous higher levels. Just like everyone else, I don't have a crystal ball, but with the current level of national debt, which is currently over $32 trillion, and the expiration of the Tax Cut and Jobs Act of 2017 in the calendar year 2025, it's hard to imagine that tax rates would decline in the foreseeable future. Both the author and I make certain assumptions, but it's hard to dispute the double whammy of higher potential tax rates and forced income increases through the MRDs. High MRDs and higher tax rates would mean more future tax pain and tax payments, not less. 
the author of the article's next question was, so would the government want you to defer your taxes and pay them later? The author of the article responded by saying, of course not. They'd like their money today, and they would like to see more money rather than less. This is precisely what the Roth IRA does. It forces you to pay taxes today and at a likely higher rate than you would in retirement. What a great deal for the government and a horrendous deal for you, the taxpayer. My response to his statement would be that contributions to IRAs, either traditional or Roth, are not a tax avoidance strategy. You, as a taxpayer, will pay taxes either now or later. The government gives you the choice to pay taxes now with contributions into a Roth IRA or pay taxes later with contributions into traditional IRAs as your funds are taxed later in life when they're distributed. No one is forced to pay taxes today and at a higher rate than you would in retirement. Taxpayers who choose to contribute to either Roth IRAs or traditional IRAs are under no pressure to initiate or use either account. Using the statement that tax rates will be lower in the future during retirement, I feel is disingenuous as that information is currently unknowable. Tax rates could be lower or higher in the future. Funds contributed to Roth IRA accounts are taxed at current rates and future rates become irrelevant as Roth accounts pay no future taxes on principal or earnings. Many taxpayers, including this podcaster, would rather pay a known tax rate now versus an unknown tax rate at some point in the future. The illustration above showed that income from MRDs may actually increase retirement income instead of decreasing retirement income which would adversely affect future tax rates. The author of the article's next statement was, you'll be paying a higher tax rate now than you will in retirement. His statement was, if you earn $122,000 per year now and make the same amount in retirement, you'll effectively pay 22% tax today to invest in the Roth IRA to save 9.8% in retirement. What he's saying in his statement is that the same 20-year-old worker would effectively pay about 12% more by doing a Roth conversion now than he would by waiting, investing in a traditional IRA, and paying taxes at some point in the future. I just explained a second ago that for most young people, if they would take that same $6,500 invested annually in a traditional IRA, that at the time of distribution, their taxes would actually be higher based on today's rates. Of course, I also stated that no one knows in the future if taxes will be higher or lower, but using the same example and an apples-to-apples -apples comparison using today's taxes, the same 20-year-old taxpayer would actually be in a higher tax bracket in retirement than they would be presently. The article's author's next statement is, many retirees today pay nearly nothing in taxes. He stated that according to the Census Bureau population reports, the median income for households aged 65 and older is $47,620. 
the effective tax rate that the average retiree pays is 4.2%. Although this information is correct, based on the Census Bureau reports, 50% of the population has an income of $47,620 or less. But this means that 50% of the population has an annual income of $46,621 or more. The higher the income, the higher the marginal tax rate, and at least 50% of the population have incomes higher than $47,620. The article's author then goes on to outline his survey methodology. He stated, The author based his survey results on a survey of 635 individuals. He stated, We received responses from 167 Generation Zers, 288 Millennials, 94 General Xers, and 86 Boomers. Of the 635 respondents, 370 were men, 264 were women, and one declined to answer. My answer to his statement would be, sorry, a survey based on a sample that represents 0.000189% of the American population does not really instill confidence in the results of the survey. So what does all this information mean? Well, first of all, I'd like to state that I am a believer in the tax benefits of Roth IRA accounts, and I've done significant Roth conversions over the years. I still maintain a traditional IRA account and believe that there's a fundamental role for both account types in a well-constructed retirement plan. Like most things related to retirement, the relevance and utility of the information presented will vary by individual. Roth IRAs eliminate forced RMDs that are associated with traditional IRA accounts at the time of distribution. There are no RMDs at any age associated with Roth accounts. The SECURE Act 2.0 has actually eliminated RMDs that were formerly associated with Roth 401k accounts. So now even the Roth 401ks don't have forced RMDs. It's also a known fact that Roth IRAs can be a very effective tax and estate planning tool. Because Roth IRAs can be passed to heirs without tax implications, they are a very effective legacy strategy. Under the current tax rules, inheriting a traditional IRA means that the account has to be cleared and distributed with a zero balance at the end of 10 years. Forcing heirs to distribute all the assets in a traditional IRA account within 10 years could definitely have adverse tax implications and create some pretty significant tax headaches for the heirs. In the next couple of years, I'm actually going to begin minimum required distributions from my traditional IRA account. Since I did extensive Roth conversions earlier in my retirement, my future MRDs are going to actually be very moderate. Without the past Roth conversions, my financial picture going forward would be totally different. The combined effects of Social Security payments, earned income, investment income, and the MRDs, if they weren't previously converted to Roth IRA accounts, would create huge financial and tax implications going forward. Because I completed these early Roth conversions, 
I now have much more control over my financial future and my tax situation. Delaying Social Security payments until age 70 means that I now receive approximately 32% more benefits each month, but it also means that I have more potential taxable income. After looking very briefly at my own personal retirement situation, then it's pretty obvious that each individual must decide what will provide the best outcome for their own particular retirement needs. Using blanket statements and very, very limited survey information and results doesn't really give a complete and true picture that will actually help anybody in deciding whether Roth conversions make sense for their particular needs. So there it is. As I stated a couple of minutes earlier, I'm a Roth believer. I've done significant Roth conversions. And going forward, I'm not really concerned about tax rates because all of those Roth funds have been previously taxed. And now both income and principal are tax-free going forward. Since future tax rates are unknown, for me it was a no-brainer because I would rather pay taxes now in a known environment than be forced to make RMDs with larger amounts in the future, not knowing what my tax burden is going to be at that future date. And now some final thoughts. Weighing the pros and cons of Roth IRAs versus traditional IRAs is an ongoing discussion. There's no one-size-fits-all rule applicable to every person or every situation. Neither principal nor earnings in a Roth IRA account is taxed at distribution. This effectively means that once money is placed in a Roth IRA account, it's never subject to taxation again. And that's worth seriously considering. Contributions to IRAs, either traditional or Roth, are not a tax avoidance strategy. You, as a taxpayer, will pay taxes either now or later. The government gives you the choice to pay taxes now with contributions into a Roth IRA or pay taxes later with contributions into traditional IRAs as the funds are taxed later in life when they're distributed. Many taxpayers would rather pay a current tax rate and place funds in Roth IRA accounts versus unknown tax rates at some point in the future when funds placed in traditional IRA accounts are distributed and taxed. My personal situation has dictated that conversions into Roth accounts have been very beneficial financially, but each person must decide if Roth accounts will provide the same benefits for them. In my next podcast, we'll discuss understanding annuities and if they are actually a key component of retirement planning. And as always, thanks for listening. If you're enjoying the podcast, please feel free to leave a review. And if you want to partake in an online conversation, be sure to search for the Retiring with Enough group on Facebook. Thanks. The information and opinions contained on this podcast are for general education and are considered general communications. Information on the podcast was obtained from various sources and Retiring with Enough does not guarantee the accuracy or completeness of any information presented. Retiring with Enough strongly recommends that you perform your own independent research and or speak with a qualified investment professional, legal advisor, or tax professional before making any financial decisions. 
The information and opinions expressed should not be construed as financial planning and does not consider the economic status or risk profile of any specific person, nor does it constitute an offer to buy or sell securities.